well, you know, I would just get through that next day. And every time like I had those moments and I'd get back in the air and I just, I, that was like the immediate, like the next day, bam, it would be like the next day. And it was like, no, this is why you're here. I just loved skydiving. I loved flying. I loved being in the air so much. And all I needed was that one jump, you know, and sitting in that plane ride and being like, yeah, this is worth it. That's Jeff Provenzano, and he's the kind of bucket list careers guest that I have ever so often that figured it all out early and is living his best life every day. He's one of the first fully sponsored professional skydivers out there, a pioneer on so many levels that we get into in this episode. He's getting paid to live a life of active adventure. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Krista Laurie. So Jeff's pivotal moment was becoming an official Red Bull athlete which catapulted him into another universe, he says, that was never seen in the skydiving world. It was a game-changing moment for him personally, as well as for skydiving, because it opened up the sport to the masses, bringing visibility and creativity to it and getting spectators from all over the world to become engaged. It led to other opportunities for Jeff, stunt work in movies, TV shows and commercials, as well as the great honor of training elite special forces in the military. So Jeff says... His career is just a true gift to support himself while continuously pushing the boundaries of human flight, innovating the sport and growing as a pro athlete within it. I hope you find this conversation as truly elevating as I did. Enjoy. Hey, Jeff, welcome to Bucketless Careers. I'm so glad we pulled this together. I know you're a busy guy. Hey, thanks for having me today. Yeah, I know. This is like the third or fourth time we've tried doing this. (laughs) It is. My show is about pivots, but also just about dream jobs. And that's where you (laughs) come into play. So let's start with, you know, your origins. What initially drew you to something that scares a lot of people to death and how it got started, how you transformed it into a successful career, which so few people are able to do? I love this question, actually. I started skydiving when I was 18. Mm -hmm. I was pretty much just chasing all things crazy and adventurous at that time. I still do, to be honest, but uh, especially when I was 18, I was always looking for that next adrenaline rush. And I saw a few, you know, a few glimpses of skydiving on TV in a movie. It popped up once or twice. And I just thought, oh my God, that would be the most insane thing to do. I have to do that. That looks awesome. That looks fun. Never really thought I'd turn into a career at that point. It was a bucket list activity at that point, even it just, I just needed to go do it, check it off the list. And when I landed for my first jump, that's when I realized I still, I didn't know it was going to become a career at that point, but I did know I needed to do it again. Right when my feet hit the ground, I thought, oh my God, that was mind blowing. Uh, I have to, I have to do this again. And that kind of turned into this like vicious cycle of one more jump, one more jump, one more jump. During that time, I was going to school in in New York City. It's a tough thing to do, balance this new hobby and going to school, just being like, you know, a typical broke college student at that time. So whatever I could do, which was a little bit of skydiving sprinkled in during the summertime, mixing it with summer jobs and whenever I could, maybe on the weekend, afford a jump or two, I'd run up to the drop zone upstate New York and go make a jump or two. But at that point, it was still a, a hobby throughout the, my years of school. But then you moved to Arizona. Well, yeah, I graduated school. And that's when I decided I wanted to take a year off 
and just chill, just kind of put the, the career, the college career on pause and just go take a year off and go move to the largest skydiving center in the world and just be a skydive bum. I thought, well, let me move to the drop zone. If I'm there and I'm there every day, I think I'll be able to jump more. And that was, that was all I really wanted to do at that time was be in the airplane and get more jump. Right. Career was not in your mind. It was just, I love this. This is totally fueling my soul and I just want to keep doing it. So it wasn't for a while until you started to think, wait, I can actually do this as a profession. Yeah, no, it took over years. Yeah, 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 yeah. It happened, you know, in the beginning, it was whatever direction I was I was going in, which it was basically an art creative world job, whether it was an ad agency or a graphic design or painting or whatever it was in the, at that time. I was just procrastinating it. I was just like putting that off. I was like, I just want to go have fun. Right. I want to go pursue something that I just really am loving right now. I didn't really connect the two like, hey, if this is what you truly, truly are super passionate about, this is kind of what you should be doing. In my brain, I'm still thinking like, oh, I should go back to New York. I should go get a job because that's how I was programmed, you know? Right. So there wasn't really a pivotal moment where you said, well, now I'm going to do this for no. work. It was more an evolution, would you say, over time? And I know those early years were not easy in Arizona. You've explained that you were broke. You were living in a tent and then a trailer. And obviously it was challenging, but this is was part of your evolution. So walk us through maybe your first paid gig and how that changed from there. Well, my first paid gig was right when I landed in Arizona. I actually started packing parachutes right away. And working my way into videoing and doing tandem videos and then slowly coaching and instructing. And then that's where I kind of got into competitions. Mm. And when I started competing, that gave me, even though I wasn't thinking long-term, that was the moment where I really felt like I was where I wanted to be because I had sponsors now and I was doing something that I was also very passionate about, which is traveling. And I was traveling around right. the country and I was traveling around the world competing in skydiving while like my sponsors were ultimately paying for this, these adventures that I was having. So that was a game changer for you, but was it Red Bull? I know that that's, is that your current sponsor? And was that the big moment where you were no longer living in a trailer? Right before Red Bull, actually, <laughs> I moved out of a trailer because I, I, I started doing well with competitions and I, I was competing. I was going to about 30 competitions a year. It was, it was in the beginning of where swooping, which is a, a discipline yeah. in the sport. It's let, you know, coming in with a high performance parachute and it's where we skim across the water or across the ground for four or 500 feet, that element of the sport we call swooping that started to like, kind of like, boom, there was like this little explosion yeah. during the early thousands where competitive swooping just kind of caught on sponsors were into it. There were all these companies and business were dumping money into it. So you could travel around and especially I, I was on a factory team at that time. So the factory that made my parachute was sending me around to go to these competitions and I was winning and I was winning cash prizes, you know, at almost every other event that I'd go to. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, in the beginning I wasn't winning as much. And then, you know, after a few years, I started winning more and more and more. I actually bought my house on winnings. I wasn't paid off from that, but yeah, my down payment on my house, my first couple of years of mortgage payments, that was all from just competitions and competition earnings. 
And that's unusual, right? That's that's part of what's pioneering about what you've been able to achieve, would you say? Super unusual. It was a very rare, that has not happened again really in our sport. So swooping kind of had this big wave over like five, six, seven years. And then the sponsors, you know, like the industry kind of like lost its excitement and drive to to fund this and support this. It was like, kind of like, okay. And there's still competitions out there, but there's not, you can't go to 30 competitions around the world and do different swoop tours and and earn money from it. The way you, the way you were able to do that in the early thousands, mid thousands, like 2001 to like 2008, that was like a real big boom in in that. And I haven't seen it since in the sport, you know, in any other discipline where there's been this interest from the industry itself that is like, Hey, we love this discipline Mm -hmm. so much. We want to make it like a real competitive sport with prize money at all the competitions to attract more competitors. And most of the disciplines we do are all up in free fall. So as a spectator, you know, it's just like little dots falling and it's not really much of a spectator sport, but swooping was this opportunity to now we have a discipline that's spectator friendly. All these parachutes can be landing right in front of a crowd of people. And I think that's why like it got so much attention and so much hype Right, was this is our chance to kind of maybe get into the mainstream where people are going to like really dig this. It's a spectator event, unlike free fall and all these other things that we're doing, skydiving, wingsuit flying, things that you really can't see because we just look like little dots in the sky. But now it's like we're landing right in front of the crowd. Right. Like at a baseball game or something. A baseball game or in a bring it to a, an existing event or build an event on its own, like make it a, a, a swoop competition where people come to watch. And I think that that's why it kind of, it, it had its moment there. But then I think part of the reason why it kind of died off is at the end of the day, this isn't a mainstream sport. You know, it's never, most people watch it and they're like, oh my God, that's crazy. And that's it. They're not looking at the details of what's the strategy. How are they being judged? Yeah, how are they being judged? Like they never go past that that point of, oh my God, this is crazy. So it kind of loses the attention of the general public, I think. Totally understood. But you becoming one of the first fully sponsored athletes in skydiving, you obviously navigated this. You described the swooping and how it started to taper off in terms of popularity and excitement, but you've kept it going somehow without really a lot of mentors to work from. So talk to me about how you did that. You know, we want to learn from this a little bit. Yeah. So part of it was a little bit of dumb luck, being at the right place at the right time for this wave of the sport. And then as this wave was dying off, that's kind of when I hopped on that next wave where I met Red Bull. Got it. And that was right before social media really blew up. Five, six years before social media really kind of took a thing. I mean, this is like my space hasn't even kicked off yet. You know, like it was, it was like yeah. swooping's dying off, Red Bull's picking up, and like my space is still like kind of catching the wave, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> so social media wasn't really even there yet, but Red Bull was. And all of a sudden I took all these skills, the skill set that I I built from all those years of competing. Now I took it with Red Bull and Red Bull is like, hey, we want you to go around and jump into these events. And it was mainly exhibition jumps into Red Bull events, sporting events, NFL games, races, MotoGP, things like of that nature, concerts, Electric Daisy Carnival, you know, like these huge raves and concerts, 
4th of July celebrations, you name it. It was, if Red Bull had their fingers involved, they were like, how can we make this awesome and make people go like, wow, oh, let's send the Red Bull Scott Evers in. So totally, that's what we did. We jumped into events and, and all those years of swooping and really like taking in that skill of landing parachutes extremely accurately and fast also, because we don't come in slow. These parachutes, like I said, you got to <laughs> hope some of your followers chime in and, you know, Google some of this stuff and maybe follow me on Instagram. They'll, yeah. They go to my Instagram page. They'll see right away. A lot of, a lot of swooping is up on there. Yeah. Cause you have a lot of videos, a lot of videos, a lot of videos. I have so much videos. Yeah. Thankfully, Instagram and social media exist because otherwise, where would all these videos live? I have so much. I could stop skydiving today and I'll continue posting for another decade. I have so much right. footage uh, like that I still haven't shared. It's just amazing. It's so amazing how it captures it. And I feel like watching that, I feel like I'm there with you. It's pretty yeah. intense. Yeah. So, so social media is your friend. Absolutely. In the business you're in it right now. It is now. now. Yeah. Yeah. It's a love-hate relationship. Though, but. <laughs> but you've said that, you know, by adapting and evolving advanced skydiving techniques, you've helped turn a sport formerly known as a passion into a profession. Okay. So, yes. and we talk a lot about passion on this show getting paid for doing what you love. So what do you think? Now we're going a little bit broader, you know, based on all your experiences so far. I mean, you've been skydiving for 26 years, right? Something like that? Yeah. Wow. You don't look that old at all. But anyway, what I want to ask is like, what do you think the secret is to making that happen for yourself? Getting paid for doing what you love? I think first, the hardest part really is finding something you love to do figuring it out first. I've heard other people that I follow, other influential people in my life that have said this to me, you know, and and, and I've heard others, heard them on a, a podcast or something even say, you know, not to chase the money, to chase your, your passion. And if you chase your passion, the money will follow. I've also heard a famous, it's something like, the, what is the price of happiness? And it's, it's something around like the 60000 to $80,000 range. If you make $60,000, like that's happiness. That's enough money to survive. How much more do you need? Yeah. Like how much more do you need? Everything else becomes, it's just mental. It's just, it's just, it's all up in your head. If you make 60 grand a year, you could be happy. You could, you could have food, you could have proper health care, a roof over your head. You know, you could sustain, right? Right. Anything more than that. I mean, if you're not happy at that point, like you're probably never going to be happy. Right. So the idea of, chasing your dreams and not the money and the money will follow and happiness is at like $60,000. You know, I'd hear all these things, but I hear these things now and I, and I, I reflect back on my experience and did I know all that then? Like, no, I didn't. Something inside me, which was driving me to just continue to do this was, was passion was I loved what I found. I loved the sport. I loved the community, the people around me. I loved the fact that I was able to travel with it. I, I loved all these things. And I traveled the world and I'd come back home. And even in the beginning, in those competition days, I'd go back home, back to Arizona, and I'd show up to this 1976 Sunflower trailer. It was a 34-foot-long trailer. You couldn't move it anymore. I mean, it was like dead flat. Like, it was where it was parked was – actually, that was that was the death of it. I mean, it fell apart. <laughs> that was actually when I – Moved out, it, it eventually just corroded and fell apart. And, and then they drug it out of that trailer park. And oh, it served you well. It served you well. It served me well. But I, I'd go back to that. And every time it rained, that trailer leaked in 
a dozen or more spots in the roof and I had pots and pans like collecting water. And, you know, sometimes in those moments, I, I did think like, what am I doing? What is this? <gasps> yes. And actually, I wrote a question down for you about that very thing. Did you have moments? Because you came out of a pretty affluent area of Westchester County, New York, right? Did you have moments where you thought, oh, I need to find a stable income? And how did you fight against that and get where you are today? Because really, you're totally inspirational doing something so cool for such a long period of time and supporting yourself. And I'm sure there were naysayers along the way. Yeah. So how did you fight against that voice that said, ah, maybe I should pack this in and do something, do a desk job? Not that desk jobs are bad, but it's not necessarily for everyone. Yeah. Well, you know, I would just get through that next day. And every time like I had those moments and I'd get back in the air and I just, I, that was like the immediate, like the next day, bam, it would be like the next day. And it was like, no, this is why you're here. I just loved skydiving. I loved flying. I loved being in the air so much. And all I needed was that one jump, you know, and sitting in that plane ride and being like, yeah, this is worth it. It got you back where you needed to be. So you're training the military now. If we have time for just to talk about like what you're doing now, what can we follow you doing right now? Basically, my career now is mainly Red Bull World, Hollywood, and then I train military on the side also. So it's a little bit of these three worlds, whether it's yeah. projects, exhibition jumps, Nowadays with Red Bull, we're do I'm doing a lot of just projects, coming up with these like amazing ideas, dream ideas that I have of places I've always wanted to fly or jump or, you know, an idea of like maybe a, an image that I've always wanted to capture. And mm. Red Bull's amazing with that, especially now. I mean, I've been with them for almost close to 15 years. Whoa. I have a great relationship with the company. I mean, it's a become a career in itself, which I never really thought at the time. I mean, I always thought it could just... And then, you know, any moment now, it's just, just a sponsor, but it's way more than a sponsor. It's really a career. I have a great relationship with the company and have developed such a huge network. It's a big company. So I've developed such a huge network internally throughout the company. So, you know, all these ideas, I kind of know the right people to talk to there. And yeah, and they can help you bring them to fruition. So you're at that point now where you've earned the respect and the gravitas and you have the right connections to be doing exactly what you want to do with the skydiving. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool and exciting to hear about. So where can we follow you to keep up with your projects, check out your videos and such? My Instagram page. I, that's kind of where I put all my energy towards in social media. I'm really, I need to be better with YouTube. What is it? It's uh, Jeff Provenzano. Jeff Provenzano. That's it. There it is. You got the handle before the other Jeff Provenzano. Yeah. <laughs> there might be a couple of them. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I'm so glad we got to do this. Yeah. Finally. It's certainly worth the wait. <laughs> yes. I'm really enjoying following you and I just love what you represent. I mean, you're truly like the bucket list careers guy. So uh, I feel lucky that you came on the show. Oh, so thanks, Jeff. It's you're great welcome. To have you. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for being with me here on Bucket List Careers. You know, I never got into this with Jeff in the episode, but I have never done it. I've never been skydiving, and I think I might have to be pushed out of the plane at this point, but <laughs> you know what? Never say never. That is my new mindset, and I hope it is yours too. All right. We'll see you next week with a brand new episode and guest. Be well.
an ironic media production. Visit us at ironicmedia.com.